As I reported on April 1st, I gave the keynote address to Geraldo Rivera's charity Life Work 50th anniversary. It helps people, children and adults with autism. Autism, as you may know, takes you off the board socially and many times economically. That is, you cannot operate because of your physical impairment, okay, the way that other Americans do. So therefore, you cannot pursue happiness at the same level that I can or you can or Geraldo can. And that was the main point I made in my address. Roll the tape. There was a guy in England named John Locke, and he was a philosopher, kind of quasi-politician guy, and he came up with the concept of the pursuit of happiness in 1689. Thomas Jefferson, a very learned and brilliant man, picked up on that concept and incorporated life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as a right, a human right that had never been done before in any country on the face of the earth. Now, if you think about your life, everybody here, all of us here have obtained some kind of success and we were able, I believe, to pursue happiness, right? And the, the key to our whole society and the battle, the culture battle that we have is giving everyone else that opportunity. And there are segments of our society who say, well, we don't have that same as you, the white privilege has or whatever. I throw all of that out the window. I don't, I don't buy into any of that. What I buy into is people helping other people to succeed. And joining us now from Cleveland, Ohio, is Geraldo Rivera, who on Monday, May 16th, has a golf outing to benefit LifeWork, L-I-F-E-S-W-O-R-C.org. You're not going to play golf, Rivera, unless it's miniature golf. You're not going to. Are you going to be out there? I'll be hum, I'll be hobbling using the seven iron as my as my crutch. <laughs> Boy, that'll be a gruesome. That'll be a gruesome sight. But I want people to uh, support life's work. And uh, I want to mention that this is at the old Westbury Long Island Golf and Country Club and people can sign up and come and play and you'll be there. Correct. That's absolutely right. It's the I think the 35th year. Sean Hannity uh, always makes a cameo. I'd love to get you there. I don't know what your golf game is like. Probably a lot better than mine. Mine well, was I can, I can, I can tell you, I can usually get it through the windmill. I can usually get that. <laughs> I'm not a golfer, but I'll try to get there if I can. I just want to thank you again for coming and giving that uh, stirring speech. I thought that it was really right on. Everybody uh, understood the concept there, the pursuit of happiness. Very, uh, I think, uh, articulately uh, zeroing in on what it is that we do. We allow people with developmental dis uh, disabilities who otherwise would be warehoused to have a life and pursue happiness to the extent that they are able. And uh, you are very generous with your contribution. Uh, Sean also uh, uh, weighed in. Uh, you know, we raised over $900,000 that night for the cause. So uh, I want to thank you again. You've always been a very generous, even though I disagree with you on 
uh, you know, almost everything, including that today was Monday, we'd probably say today was, uh, but uh, that aside, you've always been very generous. You've always responded to any of the requests I had to help these nonprofits and life's works near and dear to me, obviously because of the exposés I did on the institutions way back when, Bill. Yeah, 50 years uh, you've been involved with this. Have you seen an improvement, a basic improvement in the autism world? I, I, you know, 50 years is a long time. And, and to remind people, Geraldo, as a young reporter for WABC Channel 7 in New York, uh, went to Staten Island when there was a terrible facility. They were abusing people with autism like crazy. He exposed uh, what they call Willowbrook. It shut down. And then Geraldo got involved, which is extremely noble, of course. Have you seen improvement in this whole area? Well, the biggest improvement, Bill, as you as you uh, cite, is the closing of the institutions, the big institutions, the uh, the warehousing where despicable conditions were allowed to exist because the population uh, was essentially voiceless. Uh, you know, no one was defending the uh, the handicapped, and uh, they couldn't defend themselves. And the state of New York and other states, as a result, uh, you know, tried to maximize uh, the number of people they could care for rather than emphasizing the quality of care, plus the concept of institutionalizing uh, the disabled was, uh, they're, they're not criminals, they're disabled people, emotionally, uh, uh, physically disabled people. Uh, they're yes. not people with schizophrenia, they're not people with polar, uh, bipolar disorder. No, they're, they're not, not dangerous people. Cra- they're not crazy uh, right. people, they're handicapped right. people. And, and what Geraldo does, once again, is, is they build houses, they buy houses, uh, they put the autistic people in the houses with uh, supervision, with medical care, um, and it's a thousand, a million times better than what was happening. Right, let's go into uh, some politics. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I just want simple answers, so I'm a simple man. I don't want a lot of philosophizing <laughs> here, okay? So uh, it is estimated by the Border Patrol that they're going to have to encounter 8,000 migrants when the... Um, uh, COVID Title 42 is lifted in May by the Biden administration. First of all, do you understand why President Biden, in the face of massive illegal migration and drug smuggling, and that's something you report on as well, from Mexico, massive, all right, fentanyl overdoses, all-time high, heroin overdoses, all-time high. Do you know why Mr. Biden, who has never even been to the border during his administration, okay, has such a lax policy down there? Do you understand why? Well, I would make the assumption, Bill, that, uh, you know, it's, it is a liberal democratic agenda item and he's, uh, he's following the, uh, the strong arming by the squad, uh, AOC and, and others, uh, to be as favorable as he possibly can toward this population. Uh, I think it's a terrible idea. Why, you have Title 42, we're talking about new variants, uh, and I thought that it was always a kind of a phony uh, reason to restrict immigration by single males. Those are the ones who are being turned back. Uh, but I, at least it was something. Uh, I, I believe that Title 42 should, uh, uh, if, they, if the rationale for 42 uh, is, is existing anywhere, then I think, why not keep it? Why not? At least yeah, it's it doesn't a, make any sense. Legislation that- Just to recap so people know, that gives the border authorities, um, because of COVID, the right to send anybody back to Mexico, including asylum seekers. I don't know whether you saw the article. We're going to do it tomorrow here on the No Spin News. 
Great Britain is now uh, trying to uh, implement a policy where all people asking for asylum to live in Great Britain would be expedited to Rwanda, Africa, and would have to live there while their asylum hearing is adjudicated. They can't live in England any longer or Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. Now, all I'm doing, why I want to mention this is we're not extremists here in America. This is a problem, this unfettered migration in every single country in the world. Do you understand that? I do. The whole world wants to live in the United States, uh, more importantly. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, everybody wants to live here. If you, if, but there are some great, let me just very briefly tell you that my translator and driver in Afghanistan, who was with me for 11 very rigorous, dangerous assignments, very loyal, saved my life, Craig's life. Uh, we succeeded through Fox News to get him, Akbar Shinwari, here to Cleveland with his family. Uh, there are also, uh, there's uh, some great mosques here. Uh, there's a substantial Afghan population here. We're also expecting a, a large group of Ukrainians to come. There are a lot of Ukrainian uh, uh, immigrants already here in the Cleveland area. America welcomes refugees. We welcome asylum seekers. We just need order. Uh, we need to do it in a in a way that not only is humane and compassionate, but also is practical. Right. For and, the uh, rest this, uh, this of idea. the country. Yes or no question. Is Biden's immigration policy a good thing for America? No, it's not. OK. All right. See, now no. we didn't have to yell or anything. <laughs> that. <laughs> that was an epic battle. That's as close as I ever came to a fistfight and not had one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm glad you would have probably kicked my butt, Haroldo, you know, um, and I wouldn't I be as handsome that, today but... as I am if that happened. Um, <laughs> all right. So 35 years ago today, Geraldo Rivera launched the most successful syndicated broadcast of all time. You may remember the mystery of Al Capone's vaults. <laughs> so Rivera relentlessly promoted this. 30 million people, as I said, showed up to watch it. And it was live April 21st, 1986. So it wasn't exactly uh, 35 years ago, but close. Two-hour broadcast. And they opened the vault and nothing was in it, Rivera. I still don't have those two hours back. It's 36 years, and it was not empty. There was a Gilby's gin bottle in there. There was a stop sign and some other trash from the era. So uh, it was very embarrassing there. to me. You know what was really in there? The what? biggest ratings of all time. And I was unemployed at the time. So the day after it aired, the ratings came out. I was ridiculed from coast to coast. Actually, it was in 16 different countries live. Uh, I was ridiculed. I was embarrassed. I opened up. Uh, you know, the uh, the room service waiter came up and he handed me uh, 22 messages, uh, written messages, all job offers. So That's I went from amazing. being the most famous unemployed That's man amazing. in America to being one of you the know, most. You uh, know, I mentioned I mentioned the Al Capone thing and killing the mob. Um, <laughs> but when you were there and you saw there was nothing there, did you panic? Did stuff go through your mind like, holy, you know what? I got to fill another hour or so did what what were you going what was going through i was not gonna they were digging and digging and digging i was not going to find anything and i thought to myself 
I've been, I've been fired by ABC. Everybody I know, everybody in the world's gonna be watching. I am absolutely humiliated. This is the end of everything. And I, uh, at the end of the show, 15 minutes later, I gathered my wife. We went across the street to a Mexican restaurant. That's what, it's not, not there anymore. The Hotel Lexington's gone also. So I went to this uh, Mexican restaurant and got tequila drunk. And then I dra we dragged us, yeah, I was dragged uh, to the Hyatt Hotel. Very good. And I Very really, good. that was the end of my professional life. You know, Unbelievable. Uh, but uh, as, I it as it turned out, it was Listen, the beginning. Outside of me, you've had the most flamboyant career ever. Final thing. Two okay. weeks from tomorrow, Killing the Killers, A Secret War Against Terrorists comes out. I sent you the book because your daughter is in the book. She was in a terror attack in Paris, France, and we were able to uh, go very, very deep into that attack thanks to your daughter, uh, who I guess is at Yale now, right? Um, Yale Law School, she graduates next month. Okay. Um, and I want everybody to know it's an extremely compelling story. I, I just sent it to you. I don't know whether you have time to read it or not, but the whole book is just, you're going to love this book because you know so much about terrorism. Right. I can't wait. Uh, it was 2015 in Paris. We knew that she was out for the evening. Uh, we, we worried first that she was in that theater where over 150 people were killed. I think she was at the soccer stadium. Uh, but we didn't know that President Hollande, at that time France's president, was in the soccer stadium. So three suicide bombers attacked the soccer yeah. stadium. Our, our, our daughter was inside and they blew themselves up. They couldn't get past the French security. They blew themselves up. But then my daughter was stranded there and we were live on uh, on the air, uh, you know, talking. I remember it. Talking, yeah, trying I to remember get it. it was, well, it was in a, quite an adventure and that is chronicled uh, in Killing the Killers. Uh, hey, Geraldo, uh, once again, the uh, golf outing is at the Old Westbury Country Club on May 16th. So you can uh, putt with Geraldo, give him a hard time if you sign up. I'll try to stop by on that Monday. That'd be great. great and uh, look, good work with the life's work. It's uh, lifeswork.org, and uh, we want everybody to uh, try to help out if they can. Thanks, Geraldo. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Good to see you. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. Now, there's an interesting new podcast that has caught our attention. It's called The President's Daily Brief with a guy named Brian Dean Wright. Okay? So, Mr. Wright is a former CIA guy. And he takes a different point of view on many important issues. Here's what he said um, on yesterday, I guess it was, about 
Ukraine and the USA. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tumbling towards war. Eight months after we just ended and lost another one in Afghanistan. The Pentagon this very morning is talking about new permanent bases throughout Europe. We've talked about that on this show. Joe Biden is sending advanced weaponry and billions of dollars of it to Ukrainian fighters. He's also sending tactical and operational intelligence, which means our spies and satellites are now drawing an X on the forehead of Russian soldiers and effectively pulling the trigger. Very provocative. And joining us now from Arizona is Brian Dean Wright. So I want to walk through this because people may not know um, what your overall point of view is. And I think we have to establish that. Is Putin a villain? Yes. That's pretty straightforward one. What he is doing in Ukraine is awful. Okay. So in your opinion, he is a villain. Is he a threat to NATO? Yes, that is also true. Okay. Um, If Putin succeeds in Ukraine, and that would mean taking over the government in Kyiv, which it doesn't look like he's going to do, that would be a huge victory for Putin and for the totalitarian forces on the planet. Is that your point of view? Uh, That's fair as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So why then would you criticize the United States and NATO? for doing everything possible short of a shooting war, all right, because I I don't want that. And I've actually said we shouldn't be sending war planes, we, the United States, to Ukraine. If Poland wants to do that, fine. But the United States shouldn't do that. It's a little bit too provocative. Um, That is my opinion. But if we can defeat, we being United States and NATO, if we can defeat Putin by sending a massive amount of arms two Ukrainian fighters, which so far have performed pretty well, way b- above most expectations. That would be a good thing for the world, but you dissent there. Well, let me add a little bit of context. So first, we have to ask ourselves the question, who's in charge of our war effort? Because that's in fact what we're, we're in right now. Well, we that are would in be Biden. War. I'm sorry. I can answer that. That's Biden. He's the commander in chief. He's in charge of the Pentagon. Right. So there are two groups of folks. The Pentagon are actually the war planners. They're the ones who execute whatever it is they propose to the president. And the president says, yes, we ought to do that. The point is the people in the Pentagon who are putting together this war effort and indeed Joe Biden are the par- are the folks who have been part of the 20 year war in Afghanistan that we lost. And we just lost that to a bunch of goat herders. So the question that I have from a just basic fundamental level is, is it smart to have the people who just lost our 20 year war be in charge of the one that we're just starting here against Russia, a nuclear armed state. But wait a minute, though, there's no other choice, all right, because Biden was elected president. He selected and he carried Milley over from Trump, uh, the Pentagon brass, the people who, as you rightly put it, plan military operations. So we don't have a choice there. It's up to it all comes back to Biden. And apparently Biden believes that the Afghanistan exit was excellent. He said it was. Now, no one believes that. The Pentagon doesn't even believe it. But again, Biden is the commander in chief. He's got to sign off on all military operations. So I'm not sure that your dissent here, um, you know, I understand if I were the president, I would send advanced weaponry to Ukraine. 
in the hopes that Putin would be partially defeated, embarrassed, humiliated, which he is being now. I would do that. Would I be wrong? So the second piece is this, beyond our own internal capacity, I don't think that we should disregard that, that question, but let's move on to the second piece, which is this. What is Putin and his war hawks in Moscow? What are the red lines in terms of what we do that would then offer up a degree of retaliation, right? That's the other question that people in the Pentagon and the CIA and indeed the White House are wrestling with. I believe very, very strongly that when we move from more traditional, more conventional weaponry, which I support sending to Ukraine, because that will bog down Putin, that should be the goal, because that will force him into some degree of diplomatic conversation, especially if we can bring the Chinese on board with that. I think that's how you solve this. When you start moving beyond that, advanced weaponry, tactical intelligence, when we basically are puppeteers of Ukrainian fighters and we are all but pulling the trigger, now we start tiptoeing up. In fact, we start crossing that red line in Moscow to they say, look, we are not going to respond likely in an asymmetric way, which is just a fancy way of saying cyber attacks, very serious cyber attacks, or they're going to start you know, physically uh, attacking, killing soldiers abroad, personnel abroad, etc. So then All we right. as a country should be asking ourselves this question. Are we ready for that kind of asymmetric response? Are people ready? Are families ready? Are our communities, our businesses ready? I don't That's think anybody can answer that, that question. I can't. Look, Americans don't want to oh, shoot war with Russia. Nobody wants that. And as far as a red line is concerned, it's whatever Putin wants the red line to be. Putin can fabricate any kind of uh, scenario he wants, even if we didn't send sophisticated weaponry or didn't give the Ukrainians intel from our drones. Putin could say we did. He could make up anything he wanted to make up. So I don't think you operate out of a sense of fear of Putin and Russia at all. All right. You basically try to give the Ukrainians as much intel and weaponry as you can that the American people would support. And so far, they're supporting our weaponry to them without, you know, a an invasion by the Baltic states or, or some crazy thing like that. Because I think if you allow Putin to define the red line, he's going to define it any way he wants. Am I wrong? No, look, he's an old spy. He understands there's a gentleman's game in all of this. He bogged us down in places like Afghanistan. So he knows that we're going to supply some degree of probably conventional weaponry. He knows that he's going to probably blow it up or try to. He has done that. So there is a, a box of behavior, both spoken and unspoken, of how far each side can go. So there, it, he is a villain. That is no doubt. He is an aggressor. There is no doubt. But I don't think he is absolutely crazy. I don't think that those around him are crazy. I think they are calculated. So right. I think let that we have to appreciate Let me that. challenge that. All Please. right. Putin's invasion of Ukraine is crazy. All right. He is destroying the economy of his own country. For what? For mm. what? For nothing. Now, that's crazy. OK, now, is he going to drop a nuke? Is he going to do this? He loves to threaten. But my, I'm, I'm telling you and I'm, I'm doing with this with uh, all due respect, Mr. Wright, because I, you're a smart guy and you understand how the world works. And you're absolutely right. In a rational world. OK, you could sit down with a Putin, but he's not rational any longer. You can't sit down with this man any longer. There's no upside for Russia doing what Putin did. None. Even if he gets You're Ukraine, 
He's a yeah, villain I I, forever. His economy yeah, is going to be damaged forever. Go yeah. ahead. Bill, I, I hear your point, and, and I understand the argument, but we're making an assumption there with that argument, and that is he's an irrational actor. So unless I see high-confidence intelligence that tells me that's true, I'm going to assume that there is still a degree of rationality both inside the Do you think it was rational Kremlin. for him to invade Ukraine? Is that a rational act of a responsible I, I leader? From what I'm hearing from people, he was told and he understood that he would have a very different outcome. Kiev would fall within the first week and people would embrace him with open arms. All right. That's so after, he, after is, he gets his ass kicked for the first month, then he says, well, let's try to negotiate a settlement. He's not doing that. Uh, well, that the question remains, how long can he fight? Uh, he's got 60,000 troops that he's ordered up. So it he shows that forever. he has a degree. I'm sorry. He can fight forever. He got, look, he doesn't care about his military how many people get killed you can fight That's forever true. they get the biggest standing army outside of china and the united states on earth but let's go to china now all right so a lot of this is about the chinese who are watching how the united states and nato protect ukraine what they do in ukraine and i'll submit to you and i could be wrong that china and taiwan that's a setback right now because china goes do we really want all these economic sanctions and our, our army and Navy having to fight and, and take huge losses because Taiwanese are going to fight. Not going to be Hong Kong. They're going to fight and they're well armed and the United States will be compelled to help them fight there. So I think what, what the Putin situation reflects on is what could happen in Taiwan. Have you factored that in? Absolutely. But I think President Xi of China is much, much different than President Putin of Russia. They have two different personalities. They have two different sets of intelligence. And they have two different sets of goals. So Taiwan for China is absolutely a key part of its reunification. It's, it's recapturing of Chinese glory. But they are much more patient, much more patient. They are willing to take decades and decades to get there. So I do hear your point that they are watching this very closely. They're seeing how the West has become united. But they're also seeing how, how countries like Saudi Arabia, UAE, South Africa, Brazil, all still back Russia, even after all these sanctions. Indeed, India is buying massive amounts of Russian oil. So what? That speak. doesn't matter, though. The economic sanctions are crippling the Russian economy. Yeah. And because Chinese economy is an export-based economy, yeah. Brazil ain't going to help them out. Once the United States shuts down buying products from China and Australia and Great Britain and Canada and all of Europe do so as well. She's got a world of hurt. And that's what's holding him back. So he's watching how bad Putin's going to be hurt. I'll give you the last word. Look, I think that what China does absolutely is being colored by what's happening in Ukraine. At the end of the day, I think you're starting to see a profound change in the world from the West being in charge of it to very clearly Beijing and to a much lesser degree, Russia are starting to reshape what we do and how we think. So if we believe that the United States and the West are really driving the world's economy and always will, I think we're starting to see a huge change there. And our assumptions of what China or Moscow will do, I think that that, that is flawed, frankly, and we're gonna be learning some painful lessons because of that. All right, but US intel was good in the run-up to Ukraine, I think. The CIA and the NSA, they nailed it. That I no. didn't think Putin would do it. I didn't think he'd no. be this crazy to do it. But the U.S. intel seems to be pretty good. Would you agree? No. Uh, if you recall, Joe Biden said to President Zelensky that he should effectively step down and he should leave. From people I've talked to within the community, they did not think, uh, A, that, that uh, Putin would do it, right? So, in fact, he did do it. 
Uh, we released a bunch of intelligence, very low quality. Turns out all those were, were what we would call rumors or guesses. It was just largely gossip. So the intel community got it wrong. But I will say in their defense, Putin threw out the playbook. Uh, they, they went against a lot of, of their own internal uh, you know, more, uh, ways of, of fighting. So they assumed that they would be welcomed as liberators. Uh, so in other words, the U.S. intelligence community thought that the Russians would do as they have done in the past. They didn't. And my goodness, the Russians blew it completely. And thank God for that. Yeah, and I hope we can accelerate it. Mr. Wright, thanks very much. Uh, the podcast is a President's Daily Brief. Where can people find it? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that? On all of them. Okay. And we'll talk again, I hope. Thanks for taking the time. The Talking Boys memo this evening is at the Biden border disaster. So if you think it's bad now, wait about three months uh, in June. And uh, it's a catastrophe because of one man and one man only, Joe Biden. Inflation on him. Border on him. You can just run down the problems in this country. One man. Mask mandate, we'll get into that in a little while. Him, him. All right, so the border situation is the worst public policy I have ever seen in my entire career because there's no reason that the federal authorities are not enforcing immigration law at the border because they know the narcotics are flooding in, killing Americans directly, and they know that millions of foreign nationals are showing up here unsupervised. Now, I'm a simple man. I have one simple question. What does the lax border policy do to improve the lives of anybody in this country? One thing, how does the lax border policy improve any of our lives? Give me one. And don't say, well, the fruit pickers or the hotel workers, they can get legal visas to work. All right. We give out more than a million of them in this country every year. They can come here legally, but they don't want to because then it's structured and then they have to go back. OK, so here's some stats. Since Joe Biden entered office 15 months, he's been in 16, but the stats are about a month behind. All right. One million one hundred thirty seven thousand seven hundred and seventy six people have illegally entered the USA that the Border Patrol knows about. So the estimates are that 50% they know about and 50% they don't know about. If that estimate is correct, that's about 2.4 2.4 million in 15 months. <laughs> and in the last year of the Trump administration with the Remain in Mexico policy, that number had fallen to about 600,000. So it could be four times as high because Biden knocked out the return to Mexico policy, which, of course, the federal judge reinstituted. But the Biden administration says, well, we don't really care. <laughs> OK, all right. That's number one. Number two, drug seizures at the southern border. Last year, nine hundred thirteen hundred thousand pounds, nine thirteen hundred thousand pounds of drugs were seized. OK. Almost a million pounds of narcotics, illegal narcotics. And again, maybe they seize 30 percent of them. The rest get through. So if you're in the White House, you're going, geez, I better do something about this, right? Wouldn't you say that if you were president? 
I would. Biden hasn't been to the border. Not once. Not one time. He's saying Kamala. Kamala didn't want to go. She landed in El Paso, and 20 minutes later, she was on another flight to L.A. or whatever it was. So this is a catastrophe. In the middle of this catastrophe, Biden says, you know what? The only thing that's working is Title 42, and Title 42 is the United States government can turn you back immediately if you're a foreign national because of COVID. Immediately, you get turned back to, from whence you came, Title 42. And so Biden goes, yeah, I'm going to knock that out. I'm going to knock it out. I'm going to challenge the mask mandate on public transportation for Americans, but I'm going to knock out Title 42. And illegal aliens coming across the border don't have to wear masks because they are not obeying any laws anyway. Okay, this is in, truly insane. I'm, I'm laughing because it is funny. It's tragic funny. So Biden, in the middle, oh, he knows a million pounds of narcotics coming across. Ah, you know, ah, I don't need to go down there. I got that. I got to hang with the Easter Bunny on the Easter egg hunt. I don't have to get out of the border. Okay, so Title 42, I told you yesterday, Biden is going to have to extend it. Even though he says, he's, I'm going to knock it out on May 23rd, that's not going to happen. Here's my soundbite yesterday. Go. And uh, in marching counties, 50% were processed for expulsion under Title 42, which goes away in May. That's because you come from a place with COVID. Mexico, you can go right back to Mexico. Biden's knocking it out for no reason. There is a revolution within his own party in the Senate against Biden knocking out Title 42. I will predict he will rethink that, change his mind. And today, an announcement from the White House, they're rethinking it because all these senators uh, who may lose, all right, in elections, they're going, don't knock out 42. That's Tester in Montana, Cinema in Arizona, Kelly in Arizona, Hassan in New Hampshire, um, Warnock in Georgia, he's going to lose. Herschel uh, Walker will win that race, I believe. Mansion, uh, on and on and on and on is about two dozen of them are going, you can't do this because you're destroying the Democratic Party. So in addition to hurting every American, on the political front, Biden's hurting his own party. Okay? And, you know, right now, there are about 7 million foreign nationals who have crossed illegally that the Border Patrol even knows about. About 7 million in the past 20 years. Total illegal aliens here, Mm, I would say 15 million. So some of them overstay their visas, some of them, uh, you know, all kinds of ways. But it is, you know, it's like, all right, if you don't want immigration law, Congress, just knock it out and say open border. Come on in, everybody, because that's what we have now. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. You're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield. 
the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, and subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. New polls uh, says that marijuana is now acceptable by most Americans. Here we go, CBS, 1,612 adults. Democrat 35, Republican 30, Independent 35. Should recreational marijuana use be legal under federal law? Favors 66%. What are you, stoned? Opposed 34. By party Democrat, legal, yes, 79%. Not legal, 21. Republican 49, legal, 51, not legal. And there you go. Now, this is a big turnaround. It happened for two reasons. One, the media glorifies pot use. And on Monday, we're going to show you that. Pot's great. And number two, the progressive left wants pot and hard drugs, legal. I want everything. Do what you want. Now, the reason I oppose, and I have to tell you full disclosure, I have never smoked pot. I think pot's stupid. Uh, I don't have any interest in that at all. I don't even drink alcohol because my theory is if I got intoxicated, I'd be in the penitentiary. All right. And I'm holding to that. And on a serious note, I was a high school teacher and I saw what substance abuse does to children. And in my own family, I saw family members ruin themselves through inebriation. All right. So all in all, I don't want any part of this world. Now, the kids, once you legalize pot and I think, what is it, 22 states have it now or something like that? Once it's legal and the heroin addicts can go in and buy all the pot they want and come out and sell it to your 12-year-old because that's what they'll do so they get money to buy their heroin. All right, you understand how that is, how that works? All right, the heroin addict walks in, the methamphetamine addict, the cocaine addict, they buy the pot, they take the pot out, they don't want to use it, they sell it to 12, 13-year-olds. They get money, they buy their drugs. Do we all have it? Do we all understand? Okay, so that's pervasive, and that's what's going to happen. Once a child becomes intoxicated, the childhood vanishes. The brain, the juvenile brain, cannot process intoxication. The adult brain can't. 
If you know anyone who's drunk or inebriated much of the time, you don't want to be around those people. Now, the segment of America, oh, I smoke pot, it didn't hurt me. It's not about you, Clyde. It's not about you. It's about 13-year-olds. The message should be to every child in this country, don't intoxicate yourself. It's bad. But that's not the message in America, is it? So this is crazy. The poll, 66% favor? I, I don't think so. I think it's probably about 60-40. But most Americans want their pot. And if you're a parent and you're smoking pot in front of your kid, that's child abuse. Got it? Hey. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Who is there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America, over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Okay, final thought of the day. Roll that tape. ESPN2 last night reran the 2021 Corgi races. It's held in Auburn, Washington. Look at those Corgis. Look at them. Holly the Terror Dog was stunned and shocked. She felt that they were being exploited, <laughs> even though I exploit Holly on BillOReilly.com. These Corgis uh, ran around. And this is according to dailypaws.com. Angus, the corgi, won the race. Now, corgis are the cutest dogs in the world, but before you run out, number one, they're not easy to get in the United States, purebred. They're all over whales. That's where they come from. But here it's hard. I had to go to Georgia to get Holly the Terror Dog. And I think she resents it to this day that she's not down there. 
But anyway, uh, they're very nice dogs. But they shed. So along with buying a corgi, you have to buy a giant vacuum cleaner and follow the dog around. I have never in my life, and nobody told me. My kids wanted a corgi. So, of course, all right, I don't know corgis. I don't know they're shedding. I mean, if, if I didn't vacuum religiously, we couldn't breathe in this house. But they are adorable dogs. There's no doubt about it. And I, when I saw that corgi race last night, I, hey, Holly, come on, watch this. Holly, nope, not watching my brethren be exploited. Anyway, thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News this evening, and we'll see you tomorrow.